You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in on a Tuesday edition of the show, the day after BYU absolutely obliterates the Naval Academy 55-3 to the final. I don't think any of us expected what we saw last night from BYU, but boy, howdy, was a lot of fun to watch. We'll break it all down on today's show. We'll hear some of the post-game audio from Kalani Sitake as well as some of his players. Some great thoughts from them as they recap what was a dominant, dominant season opener for the Cougars. That's when it's going to dominate the show today, so we'll get to all of it ahead on today's podcast. It is brought to you in part today by our good friends over at rockauto.com. We'll tell you a little bit more about them here in just a little bit, but without further ado, let's get to it here. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for September 8th, 2020. Shipman in the early going, a 39-yard touchdown run. And a couple guys stumble and right out into the flat. It's Katoa who's wide open and he waltzes into the end zone. He has one running, one receiving, and BYU is up by 20. On the ground, driving for the end zone and stops short. No, I thought he was stopped short, but the official comes in and signals touchdown. Rapini Katoa just kept churning and pushing. Have a look. look at his leg drive, and then he extends the ball right before the knee touches. Wilson with a little tunnel. Romney has running room, and Romney going down the sideline, still on his feet, and Gunnar Romney will stroll into the end zone with another BYU touchdown. As McChesney dances into the end zone, and... BYU continues to pull it on. There you go. Highlights from last night's 55-3 victory for the BYU football program over the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. Big thank you to ESPN with Reese Davis and Kirk Herbstreit on the call for those highlights, allowing us to, them, allowing us to use them on today's podcast. But kind of shows you exactly what happened last night. BYU was utterly dominant in this game. We'll get to some of the post-game sound here in just a little bit, but I wanted to get you guys some of my thoughts on this game as well as some of yours as well. But I have to tell you this much. Watching this game, I was as stunned as I have been in some time about a BYU football performance because if you guys listened to my podcast, my two-part preview edition, I thought BYU was going to struggle much more with the option than they did in this game. That's a big-time credit to Kalani Satake, Elisa Tuiaki, Ed Lamb, on down the line on the defensive coaching staff, Preston Hadley, Gennaro Guilford, and hopefully I named everybody. They had this team wholly prepared to prepare for, wholly prepared to take on this option attack, and boy howdy did they do that. They limited Navy, one of the annual top five rushing teams in the entire country. This is a program, folks, that routinely runs for 300 plus yards, even when they lose games, and BYU went out there and limited them to just 119 total yards rushing. This was an utterly 
dominant defensive performance for the BYU football program. Conversely, just a great uh, seminal performance rushing the ball for the BYU football program on offense. 301 yards rushing, led by Tyler Algiers. 14 carries for 132 yards and two touchdowns. His backfield running mate, Lopini Katoa, 10 carries for 80 yards, as well as two touchdowns. Both of them uh, tallying touchdown runs of over 30 yards. Algier opened the scoring, as you heard, with a 34-yard run. Lopini Katoa had a 39-yard run. And by the way, those two players, Algier averaged 9.4 yards per carry, carrying on what he did against Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl last December, and Katoa, 8.0 yards per carry. Katoa added a third touchdown in the receiving game, a 15-yard scoring strike, or not a strike, it was more of a, a lob over a blitzing linebacker's head that Lopini Katoa did the rest of with off of the hand of Zach Wilson, just took it in. This was a dominant, as, as dominant a performance as BYU has seen in some time. It matched the margin of victory of 52 points. It was last uh, seen from BYU in 2009 when they beat Wyoming 52 to nothing. Max Hall was the quarterback back then. This was just one of the great performances in BYU history in recent memory. Let's acknowledge, though, that Navy looked wholly unprepared for what they were facing in BYU. I think they came out thinking, yeah, we're going to give this the old college try and see how we did. They have not practiced as full go during fall camp. Ken Niamatololo, as, as you'll hear here in just a minute, acknowledged that, you know what, we did not practice tackling during fall camp. We never went head-to-head with our first-team offense against our first-team defense and vice versa. He felt like the, his team really was at a competitive disadvantage going into this game, and I think the, the scoreline of it, the 55-3 beating that BYU delivered to the Naval Academy, is evidence of that. Guess what? BYU is not going to feel bad for Navy, and Navy will not uh, hold it against BYU what they did. The Cougars went out there, and in two and a half quarters, laid it on the Naval Academy. Baylor Romney was into this game midway through the third quarter, folks. That was how dominant this was. The last time we have seen a BYU quarterback, a starter, lifted in the midway point of the third quarter in a dominant win that I can recall is the Max Hall performance against UCLA when he passed for seven touchdowns and was lifted, I think, midway through the third quarter in his own right. It was a great, great night for to be a BYU fan. I was as surprised as anybody to see a 55-3 to score line, but hey, big credit to those of you who had a better guess than I did because I had a 24-22 BYU. I thought it was going to be tight all the way around. I thought that the under would be hit in this game in terms of the over-under being set at 49 points. BYU on their own hit the over, and hey, you take it, you move on now, and this should have BYU football buzzing and getting ready for Army here in 12 days as they head back to West Point to face off against the Black Knights. Obviously, another option team on the horizon for the Cougars. I can tell you this much. They can take a lot of what they did in this game, especially defensively, and just remake it and get it ready for Army. Army does run things a little bit differently. They're not afraid to go into the shotgun more often. They're not afraid to use a few different spread elements that Navy didn't use all that much or hasn't used all that much in their traditional uh, offense. But I can tell you this much. If BYU goes out and puts in the type of effort they put into this game against Army, it's going to be a great game. I think Army might be a little more competitive having played multiple games before they face off against BYU. They already beat Middle Tennessee State 42 to nothing. I don't recall who they have this week right off the top of my head, so I apologize for that. We'll get to that later this week because we start taking an earlier look or an early look 
at the Black Knights. But the fact that Army will have played two games should have them better prepared for BYU. And obviously having some film on BYU's defensive scheme should help them out as well. What I did like as well is BYU ran a 3-4 defense in this game. And I mentioned on both the Cougs Daily Newsletter that I sent out as well as this podcast that BYU was preparing both a three-man and a four-man front. And they were going to go out there and see how it went. Obviously, they never needed to shift out of that three, three-man three front. Kairos Tonga was just a man amongst boys in the middle of that defense. I thought that Zach Daw and Bracken Bakri were fantastic as those five technique defensive tackles in that 3-4 alignment. And then the linebacking core, Keenan Peely, Isaiah Kafusi, uh, who else do we have out there? Uh, uh, Pepe Tanuvasa, etc. They all did their job. They did what they were supposed to do. Every player hit their assignments more often than not in this game. And as a result, you held one of the traditional powers of option football to just 119 yards passing. I tip my cap to Kalani Sataki in the BYU football program. That was as dominant and as a thorough uh, season-opening win as I have seen in some time from the BYU football program. And it should set BYU up to really have a good season coming up here. That was probably one of the best teams BYU is going to face. I think Army might be the second best. You might argue that Houston's probably on par with Army. But outside of that, BYU should run the table. 8-0, based on what we saw last night, is very much not out of the question. You'd like to see BYU add some future games. I know that UCF is still a hope for BYU to play that game. Obviously, the rumors about that have quieted down in recent weeks. But if BYU can get some more games added onto the schedule, the caliber of a UCF or maybe the Ott Power 5 team would really help them go a long way towards legitimizing themselves in the nation's eyes. As it stands, if BYU does run the table at 8-0, guess what? They're going to have a good bowl berth. They're going to be an undefeated team. I would guarantee they'd be top 25 ranked at that point. And this is just a weird year all the way around. So why not? Let's enjoy what's happening. And last night, man, that was fun if you're a BYU fan. That was just a beatdown of the utmost degree. And I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed seeing what BYU did. I thought Zach Wilson was very efficient with his passes. I am not laying the blame for that interception on him. I thought that Neil Pauwu tripped. Zach threw it to a spot. Pauwu tripped over his own feet or tripped over the feet of the defender. And the ball sailed and went right to the defender. I'm putting that more on Pauwu. Had he been able to keep his footing, he probably at the bare minimum gets his hand up and maybe deflects that ball away. So... I thought it was a good night overall. It's good to see BYU was able to clear their entire bench. We saw the very bottom of the roster that BYU traveled to Annapolis on the field late in that game. Soljay Maiava-Peters got action in this game. It's good to see him as a freshman out there. It was just overall about as good of a game that BYU could have hoped for going into this contest. They have always a game plan of what they expect, what they hope for. But in the in your heart of hearts, and everybody has this, you go into a game thinking, you know what? What if we do this? How are we going to handle it? I think BYU enjoyed what they would have thought or believed in their heart of hearts could happen for them. And that's a credit to them. They had this team well-prepared, speaking of the coaching staff. And that is a badge of honor that Kalani Satake should wear for the next 10 or so days as he gets his team ready to face off against the Army Black Knights. So I tip my cap to BYU. 
to be frank, I don't really have much to harp on for BYU in this game. I would say across the board, defense, I give them an A+. The way they defended the option tonight was just a clinic on how to slow down the flexbone option. Other teams should take that film of BYU and what they did against Navy and just try and replicate it at any given point when they face off against an option team. Offensively, I'd give it an A-. minus. I think all things considered, it was a good night. You would like to see the backups, guys like Baylor Romney, have a little more of an opportunity to really run BYU's true offense late in this game, so I'll give them an A-. minus. And on special teams, I thought BYU was solid, so I would give them an A. So if you balance all that out, an A+, plus, an A, and an A-, minus, that brings out an A game for BYU on my grading scale. Feel free to weigh in with what you guys think of this on our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Search us out, at LockedOnCougars. My personal Twitter feed, if you don't know it already, is at Jacob C. Hatch. And feel free to email us anytime, lockedonbyu at gmail.com. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we're going to recap the game from the players' and coaches' eyes. Their thoughts post-game. We'll get to some of that audio as we wrap up today's podcast. Before we do that, today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at rockauto.com, guys. I've told you a lot about this company recently, but Rock Auto is the best place for all the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need, and I mean that wholeheartedly. Whether it's a new engine module you need, you need a new uh, heat sensor, you need new motor oil, you need a new windshield, I don't know what you need for your vehicle, but rockauto.com, I can guarantee it has options for you. Gone are the days of going to the local auto parts store saying, hey, I need this part. They say, well, we have option A or option B. Which one do you want? Every option that is available under the sun is available to you at rockauto.com. You search for your model, whatever car you drive, you search for the year, and then right there you can see all the parts your car has available for you. You can search by price, you can search by manufacturer, specifications, whatever it might be, you can customize your experience to what you are looking for. rockauto.com is the best place to get your auto parts, and the best part about it all is they are reliably low pricing. A professional auto Auto mechanic can't get a better price on rockauto.com than you can get yourself. And additionally, all of the parts come shipped directly to your door. That is the best part, I think, of it all. It comes right to your door, and you can get to work fixing your vehicle. That's our good friends at rockauto.com. Check them out. Go to rockauto.com. Make sure to mention that you heard us on Locked On Cougars by writing Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box when you stop by. That's rockauto.com, a proud partner with us here on the Locked On Cougars podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, let's recap the win and let you hear from the coaches who were in this contest. First off, let's let you hear from Kalani Satake, of course, the conquering hero. He gets first say on this. Well, here's his opening statement from last night, and I can tell you this much. Coach Satake was extremely pleased with his team's victory and how they performed in the win. Yeah, sure. Just um, happy with the win, you know, and then really um, pleased with the leadership on this team. So I uh, I told the guys I was going to um, let loose and have fun tonight. And I, I wanted to see them. You know, all the coaching took place already. So I wanted to see them lead and, and take over this game, and they did. And so uh, it was an awesome sight to see as a head coach. And there's some things that we can get better and do and improve on. But I love the fact that we had a lot of players get in the game. And and, uh, and uh, against a good physical team like Navy, I, I felt like you know we challenged our team to be physical. And so I, I'm glad that it showed up and – you know, I think Navy will do some good things this year, but, you know, our guys, they played out of their minds tonight, and, and um, it was just a great sight to see for a head coach. 
There you go, Coach Satake, talking about the fact that they had challenged BYU as a team to be more physical. I'll tell you this much. They were by far, they were the superior physical team in this game, and it's a credit to that coaching staff. They got the challenge across to their players, and BYU played with their hair on fire, and I have not been as impressed with a BYU season opening win in quite some time. So a big tip of the cap to Kalani Satake and his team for that victory. Uh, Ken Niamatololo obviously disappointed in his team's effort. Well, he laid the blame right at his own feet. Here you go, Coach Niamatololo after the loss. Whew. That game was 1,000% my fault. One team was prepared very well. BYU played great. Kalani had them well prepared. Obviously, we weren't. Uh, I erred on the side of trying to keep our guys safe with COVID-19, and but... Um, we weren't ready to play. Obviously, it's the worst Navy football game we've ever played, but we weren't prepared, and it was my fault. Been coaching a long time. I would say that's we've never seen a Navy football team play like that, but we weren't prepared because I didn't have us prepared, and that's the bottom line. There you go. Ken Niamatololi takes the loss 1,000% on himself. He said, my team wasn't prepared. He said, it's about as, a, about as bad a performance as Navy has seen under his tenure. This is a guy who owns the most overall wins in Navy football history. He has 98 wins, I believe and 61 losses now in his Naval career or his Navy Naval Academy career as the head coach. This is a guy who is used to winning and BYU just laid it at his team's feet and just absolutely obliterated them. And you can tell he's upset about it, but it's now back to the drawing board for the Naval Academy. Back to some of the sound from Kalani Satake. Uh, he talked a little bit about what the defensive scheme was for BYU going into this game. And you can tell that he was very pleased with how his defenders prepared for this game and then also went out and executed the game plan they had in place. I knew we had some physical guys up front, and I knew that Coach Siaki was going to have this defense ready to play. You know, and and, uh, and you look at the, the 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 guys that we have that that are ready to play. Um, it's a it's an experienced group and a lot of veterans. And so this wasn't like a, a new game for them. But a lot of guys that are, and although the scheme was different and we had to do a, a few different things by defending the option, <laughs> we're going to rely on the fundamentals of the game to help us win. We're going to have to be physical up front. We're going to have to tackle well. We're going to have to um, block well on offense. And, and when it, I, I challenge our team to be great fundamental players tonight, and it worked out. You know, the all the camp, the guys are doing exactly what our offense was doing this all camp long. And, and it made our defense better. And our defense was able to respond. And, and that this is a good, great sight to see. There you have it, Kalani Satake. And he said, you heard him say it. The offense really handed it to BYU's defense and really had them prepared for what they would expect to encounter in this game. And I think that's a big credit to what they did in fall camp. BYU did go live. They lost some guys to injury. Guys like Matt Bushman, Hinkley, Hinkley Ropati, all were lost to injury during a pretty physical fall camp. But hey, if you go out and win games of the caliber that BYU did last night, you'll take it. You'll kind of have the trade-off. Obviously, you don't want to see you guys get hurt, but if you can go out and win games like that, it, it pays off in the end. Because guess what? At the end of the day, all that matters is the scoreboard. Let's be honest. You want to see your team with more points on that scoreboard than the opposing team, and that makes you happy. So, Kalani Satake moving on and getting ready for Army at this point. He also is very pleased with the offensive line, what they did in the game last night. He said it was actually more of a continuation of what they had done all fall camp long, and that's a big credit to this group. Well, they've been doing that all camp. And, and, and you know, we were a little concerned because when we started playing our live work, they took it to our defense, and 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 um, that was a little shocking because usually the defense is further ahead in, in scrimmages early on in camp, and 
uh, the defense had to respond. They had to quickly get back on it. And, and they, they, you had this great battle of physical football on both sides, um, at the line of scrimmage especially. And, and they're really close, Kyrus and, 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 and the boys with, with the, that old line. <laughs> it's a lot of heavy, heavy bodies and a lot of big bodies in there. So it's a, it's a clash every time. And, and I'm just I'm glad that, that uh, they were able to make each other better. There you go, Kalani Satake, and this offensive line, I have not seen a unit work so in concert with one another in quite some time. It was great to see. Earlier on, uh, I believe it was last week, uh, Dane Brugler from The Athletic put out what he called his top prospects to watch on the opening weekend of college football. In that piece, he actually talked about the fact that he was watching the entire BYU offensive line. He said there were four guys on the offensive line that he would consider to be NFL draft prospects, and it's pretty easy to pick them out from last night's lineup. They essentially, if you go left to right, are Brady Christensen at left tackle, James Empey at center, Tristan Hodge at right guard, and Chandon Herring at right tackle. The only guy we did not mention was Clark Barrington, who might have been the best offensive lineman in the game last night. And the reason why he probably wasn't mentioned by Dane Brugler is because he's not draft eligible as a sophomore this season. This was a great team effort, a great performance of the offensive line play. And Eric Mateos, he's going to have to avoid the drinking the poison thing that he talks about all the time because after that type of performance, you can guarantee guys like myself as well as other media members are going to be singing those guys' praises because they went out there and just absolutely took it to the Naval Academy. One final thought here from Kalani Satake is he was asked about what he made of the quarterback play last night. He was able to see three of his quarterback, his top, his top three quarterbacks currently playing this game. He also shared an update on Jaron Hall's health. Well, here you go. Here's Kalani Satake on the quarterback play last night. Jaron's not, not hundred percent yet. And so um, we're, we're, we had to still slow down. He wasn't dressed. We, we have a uh, that's there and, and we have a good number of quarterbacks, you know. Um, Jacob Conover is now with the group. And so, you know, I thought Zach did, did a great job, and I thought um, Baylor did a great job. That was our game plan. We're going to try to do some things and throw the ball downfield a little bit. I think we started like that early. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to devise a, a game plan for the team to execute uh, against Army. But uh, I love the fact that the players are all on board with this game plan, and they had a lot of feedback and a lot of say in it. And uh, we have a really good collaboration with our coaches and our players right now. All right, there you go, Kalani Satake, and it's nice to have a quarterback you can rely on like Zach Wilson, but additionally to get reps in live game action for guys like Baylor Romney, who's already seen extensive action last season, but more importantly, a true freshman like Soljay Maiava-Peters, that is what last night really went towards. You got up big early, and you were able to really call the dogs off and let these guys really run some sets, and it actually is going to be very, very beneficial for a guy like Sol J. Maiava Peters as he moves forward in his BYU career. You heard him talk about Jaron Hall. If you guys had listened to this podcast, I told you all for the what the last two weeks that Jaron Hall would not play in this game. I understood that he did not travel to Annapolis. You know what? I was wrong about that, but he did not play in this game. That's the biggest thing about it. Everything I've heard about Jaron Hall is he is very much staring a missed season in the face with a hip issue. It doesn't necessarily require surgery at this point. He's going to try and rehab it. You'd like to see him get back on the field at some point here, but for all intents and purposes for now, BYU's depth chart is very much set. Zach Wilson is quarterback one. Baylor Romney is quarterback two. Soljay Maiava-Peters is quarterback three for the time being. And if Jacob Conover 
the return missionary freshman who has joined the program as a walk-on this fall, gets up to the speed quick enough, well, he very much could challenge for that number three spot in short order. So there you go. That's your quarterback depth chart as you look forward to the rest of the year. All right, we'll get to a couple thoughts from BYU players here in just a moment as we wrap up today's podcast. Just a lot of fun recapping a BYU win. It's so much more fun to look back on wins than it is losses. And when you do what BYU did last night, it's just gravy because they went out there and absolutely plastered an opponent and you can just really sit back and just revel in it. That's the best part about it. All right, coming up here in just a second, some of the players' thoughts, guys like Tristan Hodge, Lopini Katoa, what they took away from the win. We'll get to all of that in just a second. Reminder for you guys, though, real quick, if you haven't done so already, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening in from on today's podcast. I want you guys to never miss an episode of the show. Some of you were reaching out to me on social media last night asking about stuff that I have covered before on the podcast. Hey, I'm happy to answer the questions on social media, but guess what? We've talked about this a lot on this podcast. We aim to be the one-stop shop for all the BYU sports news you need to know about each and every day. Well, the only way you guys get up to speed and be the smartest BYU fan in the room, well, you listen every day. So make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button. Join us literally every day as we talk BYU sports, and we will endeavor to make you the smartest BYU fan we possibly can. Additionally, if you don't mind, leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts as well as a review of the show. It really does help get the word out about the podcast and really helps continue to grow this audience. You guys have been absolutely masterful. Our download numbers have been astronomically through the roof early on this month. That's a credit of obviously BYU playing football this fall, but a big credit to you guys. Just one more plug for you guys to hit that follow or subscribe button and make sure you join us every day as we talk BYU sports. All right, a couple of thoughts from BYU players after the win last night as we wrap up today's show. Let's start off with this. Tristan Hodge, obviously pleased with how his teammates performed along that offensive line. Well, here you go. Here's what he made of that dominant performance as they ran for 301 yards and piled up 580 total yards in the win over Navy. Extremely proud. That's number one. Seeing, seeing this, you know, it's kind of come full circle for us, you know, coming up from the offseason, seeing all the work everyone's done and to see everyone execute. And, you know, that's the number one thing we said. We're going we're gonna to come out here. We know our game plan. We're going to execute. And if we do it, then, you know, this, will, this would be the result. And I'm proud of every one of these guys. I know they didn't back down an inch. The foot was always on the gas. And I'm, I'm proud of every single one of these guys. There you go, Tristan Hodge. And he's about as effervescent a personality as you will find on the BYU football program. You can tell he was just elated with how his teammates and himself performed in that win last night. Well, one of the running backs that he really paved the way for was Lopini Katoa. He obviously is going to be one of the two-headed monsters that BYU is going to feature this season, it appears, with Tyler Algier. Jackson McChesney running a distant third behind these two, but both of them enjoying very successful nights. Here you go, Lopini Katoa on the tandem he has created with Tyler Algier so far through fall camp and obviously leading into last night. We've talked about it. It's not like a surprise to us two because we just like we knew what was coming. I always knew what Tyler could do, and just to see him uh, show on the field today, I was, I was so happy for him. And just to be able to, to run with him, it's, it's great. One final thought here from Lopini Katoa is about the fly sweep. You saw it used to great effect last night for BYU. They really did make it difficult for Navy to really get a read on them. The fly sweep action really does confuse a defense because they're trying to shift and follow that guy. And when he doubles back and continues on, it just makes things very tough for a defense to get a true read on what BYU's offense is doing. Well, Lopini Katoa, I asked him about it last night, what it means for the BYU offense, and here's what he had to say. 
You know, we love to have that, that deception, you know, just the splitting our of the offense going one way, the other half going another way. It, it gives problems to defenses. So we've been working on it. And uh, um, yeah, just we've had success with it in camp. And so um, anything that works, you know, you go with it. So uh, yeah, so it was really successful for us. There you have it. The fly sweep is here to stay in the BYU offense. You heard him talk about the fact that he really cuts uh, defenses in half where they have to really focus on, okay, where's that guy going? Is he getting the ball? Are they going to play action off of it? Are they going to hand it off to the running back with that action? It just creates confusion for an opposing defense. And that's what it's all about for BYU. Let's be honest, BYU's offense, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors because they don't have the best athletes on the field, but guess what? They have good athletes, and if you can make things difficult for a defense to get a true read of what you're doing on offense, hey, you've already won half the battle right there, and that's what the name of the game is in football. You want to go out there and just make life miserable for your opponents, and like I said... I am just stunned at how good BYU looked last night. That's a big credit to this coaching staff. BYU really was prepared for their season opener, unlike anything we have seen in recent memory under Kalani Satake. And I tip my cap to him. He has talked about the fact that he feels like he has the most talent he has had at any point during his BYU tenure on this year's squad. And obviously, the slate of games that BYU was expected to face versus what they're actually facing this year, night and day difference. But the biggest thing is, BYU football is playing games, y'all. Let's sit back and enjoy it, and let's get ready for Army in, what, 11 days away from today. And we'll be breaking it down all week long as you look back at what we took away from the Navy game and obviously getting an early look, a jump on what we expect to see from the Army Black Knights. A big thank you once again for joining us here on the podcast. It is a blast to be with you guys each and every day. Make sure you guys hit the follow or subscribe button, like I said just a little bit ago. It really does benefit you as a BYU fan, I feel, to listen to the show every day. I try and bring you the latest and greatest when it comes to BYU sports news, and we will endeavor to do so throughout whatever is left of this BYU football season. We have one game down, hopefully seven plus more to go, guys, and be with us every day as we talk BYU sports. Have a great rest of your day whenever you're here this this has been the locked on cougars podcast for september 8th 2020 we will talk to you guys tomorrow